Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. For all of you out there who are trying to mobilize people from your church to send to the nations or to be church planters or really to send anywhere on mission, have you ever considered what it's like in the mind of the person who's wrestling with that in your congregation? Today, that's what we're going to talk about. What does it look like to move towards sending from the other side of the coin? Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Scent Life. Uh, today, I'm going to have someone in here with us that is going to talk from a different angle than we normally have the conversation from. Scott's not with us again today. He's unable to be here. And instead, I have brought someone in from our office uh, who is going to share. Uh, and we're going to talk a bit about this idea of sending. We talk all the time about what is it like to have a sending culture, create a sending culture in your church, and we periodically will interview pastors, we'll interview missionary leaders uh, who will come in and they'll talk about the steps that it takes to build a sending culture. Well, today, I thought it would be helpful if we had a conversation with somebody that's on the other side of the table from that, uh, that person that sat through a church's sending culture and realized through the work of the church that they were called to go. And so today, I have joining us Meredith Graves. Uh, She is one of our students here at Southeastern. She is a former IMB journeyman, and she is soon to not be Meredith Graves anymore, and I'll let her tell you a little bit about that. Uh, But Meredith, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Keelan. Thanks for having me. Of course. So tell me a little bit about why you're not going to be Meredith Graves. All right. Well, I think you already said, but I actually work with you. Keelan is my boss at the CGCS. So I met my future husband, Tate, in our office, which that was a whole thing of itself. Um, But yeah, I came here to Southeastern almost two years ago. And um, a year in, I started working for Keelan and I do the marketing for our office, which is really cool because that was what I got my bachelor's in. So I'm getting to mix marketing with missions. And um, Tate and I started working together really well. There was no interest. We were just great coworkers. <laughs> but um, yeah, months into working together, we just feelings changed. And <laughs> yeah, we're getting married. So we're getting married in January and I will be Meredith Griffiths really soon, which is really hard to say. Yeah, that is a bit of a challenge to say. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, last semester, you may remember, I actually interviewed Tate talking about some stuff that uh, he was doing at his church uh, as far as evangelism was concerned. And Tate used to do our podcast editing before he moved over to the admissions office. And so we've lost Tate out of the office, uh, but we still have him around some because he stops in to see Meredith on a regular occasion. Yeah. Funny Uh, enough, I actually listened to that podcast. And that was when I was starting to have interest in him. And I remember listening to it and he was like, yes, and I'm a single man. And I was like, wow, okay, he's single. So we're good to go. (laughs) And yeah, so it's just funny that now I'm here doing the podcast and we're engaged. How funny. I had no idea that that played such an instrumental role Mm -hmm. in the development (laughs) of your relationship. 
Uh, so at Meredith told you she she does our marketing in the office. So if you have seen our Twitter feeds, our website, any of our social stuff, she's the one that's scheduling the Scent Life podcast to go live on, on Instagram and all those different things and places where it goes. So she's the one that does that. She's the one behind the CGCS accounts on all of the social. And what I really enjoyed about the opportunity to have you on, Meredith, I you and I have had a number of conversations about this, and I think it's a helpful perspective for those of us who listen to our show. So many people that listen to it, and if you're listening right now, you probably fall into this category as best we can tell. Uh, we've got a number of people that are field missionaries who listen. Uh, we've also got a number of people who lead in missions somehow in the States. They're ministry leaders. So they work at one of our sending agencies like the IMB or the North American Mission Board, or they work at one of our state conventions or associations. Uh, We have a number of listeners uh, who do that as well, or are in local church ministry themselves. A number of our listeners are pastors, they're missions pastors, they're church planters, and they're in the process of thinking through what does it look like for us to develop a healthy sending culture in our church. Uh, we want to be able to send people to the nations. We want to be able to send people to plant churches and and uh, and be engaged in Great Commission ministry in other places. What are the things we need to do to do that well? Uh, well from my perspective, you're an example of what it looks like when that's done well. Uh, and so to hear from the other side of the equation, uh, things that are helpful and aren't helpful, I think is going to be a benefit uh, to those that listen to the podcast. So that's kind of kind of what I'm, I'm wanting us to do. Uh, let's start at the beginning. We'll just begin at the beginning with it, right? So give us a bit of your background. So you, uh, where are you from? Tell us a bit about your church, how you came to be at the church, all of those kind of things, so we can kind of set the stage for the conversation. Yeah, so I'm from Cartersville, Georgia, and I grew up there. The church that I attended, I was there since I was a baby. So it's called Tabernacle Baptist Church, and that was the church I ended up being sent out from. And there was just a lot of consistency in my life as far as going to church. I grew up in there. I grew up in the youth group. But I moved away for college to go to Mississippi for maybe a year and a half. And um, I did not want to come home. But the Lord knew that I needed to. And it was such a blessing looking back because when I came back in college to my hometown, I started getting more invested in my home church, Mm. and um, I went on my first mission trip in college, and that's where the Lord just really grew my love for people and grew my love for people to know Christ. Um, So my church played a really huge role in sending me on mission trips, um, especially in college, and they invested in me and a few other college students at the time to not only send us on international mission trips, but they sent us for a few weeks in Alaska for a little bit as interns to work with two different church plants. And I was discipled by our missions pastor with that group of college students. And yeah, he invested in us pretty heavily. So they played a really big role in just me making that decision to be sent out. That's excellent. So, and that that's the stuff that I want to drill in on, right? Mm-hmm. So there's two or three things you'll notice that she mentioned here, right? So there's a so several instances where the church created some practical experiences for them to be engaged on mission. Uh, you heard about discipleship relationships that occurred uh, with the missions. So there's two or three things in there that I want us to kind of peel out. When you think about back through your journey, 
And there's this whole quote, like, so there's a point where probably before that point, going overseas to do international missions just kind of never crossed your mind, right? And then somewhere along the way, you went, oh, is it, is that me? Am I the one that's supposed to go do that? When was that in your story? Yeah. So I remember at a young age, my dad traveled a lot for his job. And I always took interest in, oh, when I get older, I want to travel for my job. So the Lord already gave me this interest outside of missions for just even the option of going outside the country or even the possibility of living overseas. But he also gave me a love for helping others. And um, I'm pretty outgoing. So meeting others and sharing my story with them. But I would say what changed was really that mission trip. And I didn't know to really start praying, okay, Lord, like, is this a possibility until after I came back from there? And my heart was just broken of these people's lack of access to the gospel Mm. and um, to healthy church leaders and to just resources in general. Um, We worked with kids out of VBS, and then we also worked with some teenagers. So me and my friend worked with teenage girls and just seeing that they're not discipled or they haven't been discipled. And yeah, that really left a burden on my heart to go to places where they're not being evangelized to where they're not being discipled, because if not me, then who? Right. And um, thankfully, my church was a really big part in encouraging me to go. So so that's super helpful. Uh, this is one of the reasons, if you're listening to this, we talk so much around here about the short-term mission trips we do at Southeastern. One of the reasons we do that, and we've built that in as a priority at our school for as many of our students as possible. It's actually a required class in most of our degrees uh, for our students to, to go on a trip. Uh, the experience of being engaged in that really is significant. So if you're a church that's trying to think about how to do this, I would strongly encourage you uh, to consider adding those kind of experiences in such a way that it becomes normal for your people in the church to go on one, and it's abnormal not to have gone on one. That's one of the big pieces and trying to develop a sending culture, I think, is being able to create an expectation, really, around the fact that you engage in these kind of things in your church. And there's a number of ways to do that. It's going to be different different settings, but I think it's important. Uh, but I don't want us to stop there. It's not just, hey, have great mission trips, mm-hmm. and then then you're going to be able to send people to the nations. Uh, something somewhere along the way happened, and you, you alluded to this, after the trip. So before the trip, I'm not thinking about it. This trip raises for me this question that I'm now starting to wrestle with. You said your church was instrumental in helping you walk through uh, the wrestle, so to speak. How did they do that? Yeah. So I think it just naturally happened where I felt more confident that I could go overseas or that I could share the gospel with the people around me because after that trip, like I said before, my missions pastor began to disciple a group of us. So there was four of us, two guys and two girls. And I want to say for about a year, um, we went through the Bible together. And at the time we were doing the sword method, but I didn't realize that's what it was called then. And just basic Bible studies together and good application. And he sent that group of the four of us to Alaska a year later Hmm. as interns to work with those church plants. So that made me realize, oh, I can live in a place long term and work with a team 
And so we were there. One of my friends was there, I think, for almost the whole summer. A few of us were there for maybe two to three weeks. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem like that long, but when you've never done that before in a different place and you're working with locals and you're working with church planters there, it's very different from a week-long mission trip where you have a plan. Um, we, We didn't necessarily have a plan. We were just there to help the team and we were a part of the team. So that was really practical. And I really appreciated the discipleship that led up to that trip Mm -hmm. because that was the trip that I was already praying, okay, Lord, do you want me to go into missions long term? I've already done the mission trip. I've been discipled by my missions pastor. I know the importance of fulfilling the Great Commission, but can I practically do this? And then that trip, the long term summer Alaska internship was really crucial in that. And funny enough, out of that group of four, two of us went on to be journeymen. Mm. One of us is now a pastor, and then the other is um, leading in our local church and just really involved. So even that discipleship of the four of us and then investing in us to send us to be interns was a really big impact for all four of us. Yeah, so that's that's exceptional. I I love how you pulled all that together because I I think there's some stuff in the way that that whole process worked for you that's instrumental, even, I don't know, helpful for other people to think of in the way that they conceive of something like this. So you've you've got this initial short-term experience on the beginning that raises a question for you. However, ministry leadership in your church didn't leave it there with mm-hmm. you. Uh, there was an intentional investing uh, in you on a long-term alongside of others that they had identified it seems, mm-hmm. uh, to do that kind of discipleship with, with some intentionality. And then after that experience, they stretched it to a, a more midterm mm-hmm. opportunity uh, where you're not on a programmed mission trip, but you're more experiencing what it would be like to live in a setting, not just to see the setting. Adding something like that together creates a, a process of discipleship that involves not just the teaching aspect, not the, hey, we're going to read a book together and we're going to go over this and we're going to talk about how we ought to do this, but there's this practical behavioral component as well. And so you're engaging the head, the heart, and the hands in a, a process of helping somebody discern their calling. I love that. And it's telling if you had four people go through that and now all four are somehow in in ministry, mm-hmm. some kind of Great Commission ministry. That demonstrates the significance of trying to create a process like that in the life of your church. Now, what kinds of things do you think, as far as that discipleship was concerned, were probably most helpful? Yeah, I think the consistency and just the fact that it was our missions pastor that did it. Mm. And he set aside time, even though he was so busy with his job, and we had other units on the field. But the fact that he invested in four college students once a week at his home, and it was a joy for us to be there. But the investment that he made in us and the consistency that Mm. he had with us was really impactful because, like I said, I don't think any of us would be doing what we're doing now if it wasn't for that consistency with him. Yeah. And also, we built a relationship with him where we were close enough to go to him and be, just say, hey, I really think that the Lord is calling me here. And he was already, we already had that relationship established where he could say, okay, well, let me help you get there. So he had a close enough relationship mm-hmm. with you that he became trusted counsel exactly. as you were thinking through the process. Exactly. I think that's key. 
It's mm-hmm. really important. Excellent. Excellent. As you came back from Alaska then, mm-hmm. so we've we've started wrestling with this idea. We're building some confidence around the fact that maybe I can do this. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm, I'm in this setting. And I think this seems like a thing that I could do. What tipped the corner to, all right, I'm applying to go be a journeyman? Yeah, that's such a good question. So I remember praying about, should I go overseas? Should I just go ahead and do this? Thankfully, my church is very missions-minded, my home church back in Georgia. Um, Like I said before, they already had several units on the field with the IMB. So I remember after Alaska, I had about a year left of college and— you know, it gets to that point where people are like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And even I was thinking, what am I going to do? And I just remember being almost fearful of the fact of if I don't do what I believe that the Lord is calling me mm-hmm. to do, which is to go overseas and make disciples, then I'm going to miss out on this opportunity and I'm going to be disobedient. And that was something that really was just in my mind a lot going into my last semester of college. And thankfully, I had, like I said already, that relationship with my missions pastor to talk about, hey, I'm, I really feel like this is what I should do. And I don't want to say here in America to get this regular nine to five job, which is great, you know, for a lot of people, but I just don't feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. And I'm afraid that I'm going to be disobedient if Mm. I go that route, even despite how I was raised, you know, success was very much work driven. And I was afraid of what my family might think, what other people might think. But because this relationship with my missions pastor, he really encouraged me, hey, this is, a, this is possible yeah. and we can help get you there. And I had that conversation with him and I was open to going with other organizations. I didn't want to just go with the IMB just to go sure. because our church had relationships with them. But um, he encouraged me after a lot of prayer that that was for me in the time mm-hmm. the best decision. And he helped me just develop skills and steps to get there. So something that, you know, before you go overseas with the IMB, they want to make sure that you are able to share the gospel with people, that you're doing it here in America before you go. And um, just stepping up and taking that initiative. So my missions pastor was also encouraging me, hey, go out and share the gospel with people. Mm -hmm. Maybe start a Bible study or discipleship with younger girls. So he gave me practical steps to continue working on as well. And um, we started the application process while I was doing all of that. Excellent. So that, uh, again, I I think is a great example here about a way to do this well. So you've got an initial experience, I'm going to tie it all together for the, mm-hmm. for the listener right now, right? So you've got the initial experience that starts to raise this question. There is this repeated, consistent discipleship relationship with leaders in the church that are helping frame how to think through the question that it raises. Uh, and then you've got the more extended opportunity on the field that really helps you see, well, this is what it could be like to do this kind of work. Coming out of that, uh, we turn into a season of helping you take a desire that's developing inside of you 
and actually make a concrete picture out of it. This is what it could really look like. Uh, there are pathways to get there. These are the specific skills that you're going to need to have to do it. This is the means to accomplish the goal. Uh, this is the application you need to fill out, and here are all of the steps, and and it's possible for you to do that. And then you said one thing that I really want to highlight here. Uh, we as a church can help you get there. Mm-hmm. If that was his attitude, they supported you in the process and helped you take something that was probably vague and help create a clear, a clear picture of what it would be like for you to actually take those steps of obedience. I love hearing you walk through this because I think it is a really helpful thing for for our audience to hear. And we've got so many people that are thinking through, how do we do that well? And trying to stick the pieces together and your timeline on it, I think is actually a pretty good example of what it looks like when it's done well. So thank you, Meredith, so much for being in here and sharing this. Uh, I have a feeling it'll be a benefit to a number of churches. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad I got to share and It was a really awesome experience, so I'm really glad that other people can hear about it. And if you're listening, uh, I do hope this can be of benefit to you. If you're trying to think through how to schedule something like this or organize stuff like this in your your church, I hope this is a good example for you. And of course, you can always reach out to us at the Center for Great Commission Studies here at Southeastern, and uh, we'd be happy to help you think through it. Uh, You can find us on our website that Meredith helps run, thecgcs.org, or you can reach out to us by email cgcs at sebts.edu. Thanks so much for joining us. Of course, feel free to share this podcast with others. You can find us on all the socials as well. And until next time, this is The Simplified. Here at Southeastern, we believe that the Great Commission is the church's mission. That is why we are committed to ministry preparation in partnership with the local church. Through more than 40 advanced graduate and undergraduate degrees, we offer robust biblical and theological education that equips students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. Visit sebts.edu to learn more.